This is your weekly college basketball radio show here on WVOX 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show. Hope you're doing well. Um, We have two guests tonight. Be calling in in about eight minutes. The first guest, Guy Filatico from IonaHoops.com, one of our favorite guests who's been calling from the very beginning of the show, and he's a good friend in covering Iona. And then I have Mike Zabo. Uh, who's from who covers St. John's on the campus uh, radio station? He's a student who's a, um, I think a senior actually, probably graduating. But uh, he's really good on St. John's, and St. John's got a big transfer. We're going to talk about. All right, some housekeeping. Two more shows after tonight, April twenty fifth and May two. Um, we definitely want to go to May second because the transfer portal ends May first. So there'll be a lot of movement around the country with players, and we could talk about that on May 2nd. So May 2nd will certainly be our transfer portal show, our final show of the season. Then we take a break, and we come back in October uh, when the uh, students are back in school. Uh, okay, so there to date, I mentioned the word transfer portal. That's the dominant subject in college basketball right now. Transfer portal. There are 1,389 student athletes on the male side in the transfer portal. There's also one for the women. Um, But there's 1,389 guys in men's college basketball transfer portal. A few hundred of them are really good. So some teams are going to get a lot better through the transfer portal. And um, let me remind you of the rules. The rules are everybody gets one free transfer now. They recently changed the rules over the last year. Every student can transfer for free once. What I mean by free is, in the old days, uh, if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. That is not the case anymore. Now, you can transfer and not have to sit out once. If you transfer a second time, you have to sit out a year. Unless you can somehow get a hardship waiver. All right. The only other rule there is the grad transfer rule. If you graduate from your college, you can then go anywhere without having to sit out. You can transfer once you graduate. That makes you a graduate transfer if you have another year of eligibility, right? Some people redshirt or get hurt. So uh, when they graduate, they only played three years. They still have a year of eligibility. So um, there was a big question on the waivers. They're not supposed to give them out as much anymore because they gave the free transfer. Uh, We'll see what happens when people start applying for hardship waivers uh, to transfer two times. So we'll see how all that goes. So one thing I'd like to mention is North Carolina. Uh, We've talked awful lot about North Carolina. I get it because uh, they made the finals and I root for them. So we talk a lot about the Tar Heels. Uh, But I got to tell you, after that incredible run, and never forget going into that national championship game, uh, at the end of the season into the ACC tournament and into the NCAA tournament, going into that Kansas game, they won 11 of their last 12. They were the hottest team in the country going into that Kansas game, and they lost a heartbreaker, as you all know. Well, here's the cool thing if you're a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. 
They're putting the band back together. Brady Manick, who's one of their best players, has no eligibility. But it's possible the other four starters will be back. Three of them have already said they're back. Armando Baycott, Armando Baycott, their tremendous center, a double-double machine. R.J. Davis, their terrific point guard. And Leaky Black, their shutdown defender, one of the best defenders in the country. All said they're coming back. Caleb Love would be the fourth starter. He's thinking of coming back and will may announce his intentions this week. So if they get Caleb Love, Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, uh, and Leaky Black back, I mean, North Carolina's going to be loaded next year because they have four freshmen coming in. Three of them are high-ranking four-star players. And they got most of their bench back. So exciting time for UB Davis. It might be another great year next year for North Carolina. Another school that's very happy today, and we're going to talk about it in about four minutes with Guy Filatico, Iona had an unbelievable 48 hours. We're going to talk about that with Guy. Uh, they now have six new players coming into the program. We're going to tell you about all of them. Um, so let me just remind you, we're in the transfer portal season. Everybody's talking about the transfer portal. There's one school you should know about that crushed the transfer portal. Arkansas. Arkansas already got four pretty big-time transfers. Uh, Travion Brazil from Missouri, SEC school, big, very good player, went to Arkansas. Jalen Graham, pretty good player for Arizona State, went to Arkansas. And then there's two brothers, the, the Mitchell brothers, Mikhail and Mackay. They went to University of Rhode Island. They're both six foot nine. They went to Arkansas. So Arkansas already had a pretty good team coming back, and they added four guys already from the transfer portal. I don't know how Eric Musselman does it, but he must be very influential. He must give a great talk to guys when they're transferring because he already got four really good transfers, and an awful lot of teams would want that. Uh, on the course of the show, we're going to talk about some of these other big-time transfers. Uh, Brandon Murray, one of the best players on LSU, went to Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. That was a very interesting transfer announced last week. And we're definitely going to talk uh, on our St. John's segment about Andre Corbello, who transferred from Illinois to St. John's. That's a very, very interesting transfer. All right, so we'll have a lot of chat today about the transfer portal. Like I said, a lot of people are transferring right now. Again, the number is 1389 uh, students that went into the portal. One unfortunate thing we saw last year, though, there's a lot of players went into the transfer portal, but a lot of them were guys that sat on the bench, so they were not happy with the school they were at. They went in the transfer portal, they were bench warmers, and nobody wanted them. So they went from being a bench warmer on a Division I college basketball team with a full scholarship to go to college for free, and they end up being out of college basketball since nobody wanted them and the other school didn't want them back. So they basically lost their scholarship by going in the portal and didn't get picked up by any other team. The number last year was about 450 students made a really bad decision. You know, sometimes these students uh, in college sports have a lot of hangers on and people giving them advice that may not know what they're talking about. And I imagine with the 1389 number, we're going to see that again this year. Uh, and I feel a little bad for these kids. I mean, people are like, well, they made a bad decision. I get that. But I also kind of feel bad. Uh, I was once in my early 20s. My son is currently 21. I know the decision-making process of people in their late teens and early 20s, and it's often not good. That's just a fact. And if you don't agree, don't call me to argue, because I just know, having been a, a young, stupid guy, and now have seen lots of young, stupid guys my whole life, I understand that you don't always make good decisions at that time, and you hate to see a kid lose their scholarship over making a bad decision. 
All right. This is the College Troops Chat Radio Show here on WVOX. Uh, we should be getting a call soon from Guy Filatico, who is my friend who does ionahoops.com, a really great website. If you follow Iona College basketball, you got to follow ionahoops.com. Guy does a tremendous job, and uh, I, uh, I certainly go there myself when I need a good scoop on Iona. Uh, he's uh, someone really dedicated to the Iona College gals. I'm really impressed with his commitment uh, to his high school. So the phone is ringing. I imagine that is Guy right now. And again, uh, ionahoops.com. He's also on Twitter all the time. You can find Guy Filatico, uh at Iona Guy uh, on Twitter. So I, you can follow Guy on Iona Hoops, or you can follow him on Twitter. And I see Chuck pressing the buttons. So good evening, my friend Guy Filatico. Are you there? I am. How's it going, Jim? I just gave you a huge shout-out. I own a hoops. Follow the guy on Twitter. He's great. Listen to his podcast. Uh, if you're if you're a big fan of I own a college basketball, you have to be following Guy Filatico. Well, I, I appreciate that. And it doesn't get any more exciting than this uh, in the offseason than we've seen in the last three days here with all these commitments. It's unbelievable. So, folks, uh, in the last couple of days... We saw some major players in America, two, fr- two seniors in high school, one junior in college, make a decision to join Iona. If you look at their resumes, uh, really impressive. So I'm going to start with the transfer, all right? So his name is Dennis Jenkins, because, Guy, I talked to him on Twitter tonight and promised him we'd give him a shout-out. How about that? So let's give a shout-out to Dennis Jenkins, the new guard, for Iona College, he played two years at Pacific, one year at the JUCO powerhouse uh, Odessa. Uh, he had a tremendous junior year with 15 points a game, 40% three-point shooter, 85% from the free throw line, and an All-American in junior college. Guy, Iona got quite a player there. Well, you know what? It's been the hot topic among Iona fans during this offseason. You know, who are we going to get to replace Elijah Joyner and Tyson Jolly in the backcourt? We need, we, we can't just stick a freshman in there. We need a veteran. And this kid fits the bill. He does everything we need, including make free throws, which we did not do so well this past year. Um, I think this kid's going to just flourish in this system. Uh, Odessa runs a very high octane system. He's, he's going to come right in next to. Uh, to Walter Clayton, and that's going to be one fun backcourt to watch. All right. Dennis Jenkins, you got your shout-out. Uh, IonaHoops.com, Guy Filatico, College Hoops Chat Radio Show. We welcome you to the Iona Gales, and we can't watch you play. We can't wait to watch you play next year. How's that, Guy? Oh, yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, he's exactly what we needed, man. And this is We needed that veteran. We needed somebody who's been around the block a little bit, and this kid's going to come in. He's going to want to prove himself right away. He's going to want to take us to the promised land. I agree. So we're very happy with our new transfer from Odessa Junior College. On paper, he looks terrific. Okay, let's stay with the point guard world. I also got a point guard on Sunday named Cruz Davis, six foot three, very skinny though, 160 pounds. We're going to have to get him into some Italian restaurants and uh, get him in the gym. Uh, but everything I read about Cruz Davis is impressive. He he was kind of a Easter present for Iona. He's from the state of Texas. He's a three-star player, uh, a complete point guard, lockdown defender. He's got uh, excellent passing and dribbling skills. He can get to the rim. He had offers from Oregon State where he was going to go but decommitted. But some major programs, guy, like Houston, TCU, and SMU, 
Another great pickup for Iona College that's coming in as a freshman, Cruz Davis. What do you think? You know, when I watched the highlights uh, from Cruz Davis, he reminded me, and this is going to be high praise, of Marcus Hammond, who just left Niagara. Just one of those guys who can just kind of pull up from anywhere and hit and get to the basket, get to the line. Uh, just he's a lefty, plays under control. He's got a nice handle. He's got well, he just has that feel to his game. If you if you watched Marcus Hammond at all this past year, so um, you know, and what better situation for him to come in? Hey, he's coming in. He's highly touted, but he doesn't have to have the keys in his hands right away because we because of uh, we you know we brought in Jenkins. So uh, what a what a great opportunity for him to come in and just learn and settle in and and then just you know back up Jenkins. I agree. A couple of days ago, guy. You and I were both wondering about our point guard situation next year. And in a period of 48 hours, it got a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't the way we expected. You know, we kept waiting for, for Casey Stanley to post that, uh, the, the uh, animated gif of the, of the portal spinning. We were just waiting for some transfer to be announced, and it didn't happen. You know, Bettina went younger, and then he went, he went Juco for a guard. And, and so he's got what he wanted. And but this to me, you know what this says to me? This means he's not planning on being here for one more year, Patino. This means this to me means he wants to build this team and 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 become a little more than a one one shot deal like we've been on the last couple of years. Well said, guy. All right, so we both said, guy and I, that it's been an exciting couple of days for him. Let's do the third guy who committed to Iona in the last two days, uh, and his name is Silas Sunday. He's playing for our Savior Lutheran. Uh, a powerhouse school. He committed uh, it, literally today. He's seven foot. He's a three-star. Uh, interesting background. Uh, I was looking at his background. He uh, is from the Republic of Ireland, although uh, he was born in Italy. His dad is Nigerian and his mom is Polish, but he grew up in Ireland. Uh, a physically imposing guy, soft hands, can even pass the ball as a big man. I see he was the 44th best ranked center in the nation on 247, which is a, one of the major recruiting websites. So everything you read about Silas Sunday says this seven-footer is really going to help the Gales this year. Yeah, and, and those who haven't seen any video or pictures of him, this isn't, he's not built like Osborne Shima, who definitely needs a few uh, stops at, uh, at some Italian restaurants to fill in uh, his frame a bit. This kid's got a lot of size, so he's just an imposing, huge kid. But he's got great hands. He's got a soft touch. Um, again, our Savior Lutheran, a powerhouse school, um, and had a lot of interest from some really big schools, as you know. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to say. He's probably not in Iona Gale shape yet, so I don't think he's going to come in and he's not going to push Nelly for minutes. He's not going to push Ema, I don't think, as the backup center right away, but he's one of those kids that down the line, boy, he can turn into something. It's true. Now, I said to Guy when we were doing our pregame for the show tonight that I would love for one night uh, and obviously Coach Patino is a lot smarter than I am about basketball, but I would love one night to play Osborne Shima on the wing, Nelly Jr. <laughs> Joseph as the power forward, and Silas Sunday as the seven-foot uh, center. I don't. The Mac wouldn't know what to do with that front line at Iona. <laughs> Neither would our ball handling, but, but hey, it would be fun to watch. <laughs> Come on, you want to see that one time, guy, don't you? I think if we play like a D3 school in an exhibition game, we should run that lineup out there and just to see what they do. Okay, you got it, guy. We'll, we'll mention it to Rick when we interview, and we'll see how that one goes. Um, okay, so Iona has three other freshmen. So, so far we told you about the transfer, Dennis Jenkins. Then we talked about Cruz Davis and Silas Sunday. We got the three of those players to come into Iona in the last 24 to 48 hours. But there were three other guys that were already coming to Iona. 
So let's start with the first guy that Iona got that was probably the biggest named recruit uh, of the cycle. He's been coming to Iona for a while now. His name is Sadiku. Let me say it right. Sadiku Ayo. Is that how we say it? Sadiku Ayo. That's how we say it. Sadiku Ayo is, I believe, how you probably say his name. All right. I'll do my rap, and then Guy will guy will fill us in. Six foot six, two hundred and ten pounds. He's one of the best players in the state of New York. Actually, ranked number six in the 247 ranking. That's a big-time New York player. He had scholarship offers. That's how good this guy is. To Auburn, Nebraska, Seton Hall, and St. John's, all power conference teams. Two-way player. I love some of the descriptions I read about him today, guy. Two-way player, athletic, good team guy, great leadership, great defender. I mean, that's. I know that's exactly the kind of wing that Coach Patino wants. He sounds like a perfect player for Iona and somebody they can really build around over four years. Yeah, he's got a he's very athletic, high major body, can do a lot. You know, he's a he's like a six two type of player in a six six frame. Um, you can just imagine him like even out in the front on the press. You can uh, you know running in transition. Um, the kid's got a great great skill set, um, and he's only going to get better. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's a freshman. I agree. All right, so we have Saduki. Ayo. Now, there's two other guys coming uh, that I don't. I know less about. It was kind of hard, kind of hard to find things about them on the internet. One, of the hardest guy to research was. Uh, I'm not gonna. I hope I don't get the name wrong. I apologize. Uh, Josu Grillion. Josu Grillion. Is that? that You're gonna go with that as the pronunciation? I, I think actually the way when it's spelled like that, they pronounce it as Joshua. Okay. Um, All right. But don't call me on that. I mean, it could be, I could be wrong about that. All right. But, so this gentleman. And it is, it is Gruyon. The two L's make the Y sound. All right. Mr. Gruyon is six foot five. Uh, I know that uh, people have said on uh, the internet that he's a very good shooter. He is athletic. Um, he had uh, some Division One offers, Samford, Arkansas State, UTEP. He's from the Dominican Republic. And what's interesting about uh, this player is that he wasn't well-known in the United States because he grew up in the Dominican Republic, and he came to the United States to go to Miami Prep School, which is a fifth-year postgraduate program uh, for foreign kids to come to the United States, play basketball in a postgraduate prep school to get noticed, to get scholarships. That's exactly what happened, uh, and now he's going to be an Iona Gale. And, and you know what? If you watch video of him playing, he's kind of a high-IQ kind of player. He's got a nice handle, outside shot. I like guys like this because they almost are more ready to play right away. You know, when you have that kind of high IQ and you can come in and pick up the system right away. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him early on, like as part of the rotation. Maybe some of the other guys may have a little more talent, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him involved early on just because of his IQ. I agree. All right. The last one we're going to quickly talk about is uh, Keither Florence from Wichita, Kansas. Now he paid a post-grad year also in Tampa. I'm wondering uh, if Grillon and Florence ever played against each other, it's very possible. I hear he's athletic, can shoot, can rebound, he's quick, has a high motor, uh, can play all three forward positions. Uh, he's had very big stats down there, 24 points a game, 11 rebounds. Another big-time recruit for Iona College. Yeah, I mean, this, this kid's 6'9", he's athletic, he's physically D1 ready. Um, so, you know, I actually see him more as a 4 than a 3, although I guess he's, he's showing some ability at the 3 a little bit. Um, did have some good offers, like you said. Um, I, I, again, when you have a body like this kid has, if he's able to pick up the system, you can see him getting minutes. I mean, you know, you, he's a great backup at the four. And, and, you know, that's what you need. You need as many big bodies as you can get. I think we learned that this year. I agree. All right, so one last thing on the on the recruits, and we'll squeeze in another minute or two on Iona. 
Uh, no Colin Howells. His name was on some of the lists that's committed to Iona. He's no longer committed to Iona. You could take him off the list. So let's remind everybody that Iona has a lot of good players coming back. Nelly Jr. Joseph, uh, their center, uh, who somewhat plays like a power forward, but he's very good. Derek John Louis, their shutdown defender. Quince Lazinski, who's kind of probably step in for Dylan Van Eyck, who uh, showed a lot last year. He was a nice player to watch. Uh, Walter Clayton, the freshman that played so well. Ryan Myers can really shoot. Osborne Shima, uh, the seven-footer. With a lot of talent coming back to add in with all these big recruits that are coming in. Yeah, I think people expected actually more guys to leave Iona than, than, than did. Only three, I say only, only three players transferred out, which is actually below the, the national minimum right now, if you can believe that. Right. Um, and but there were there were rumors about others uh, for various reasons, um, but nobody at the moment, nobody else has uh, hit the portal for Iona. So yeah, I think we have a lot of veterans coming back, and and I don't think outside of Jenkins, I don't think any of the newcomers are going to be expected to come in and right away just be right in the mix, I mean, which is a big difference from last year where we had several guys that we kind of needed to play well right away. I agree. So, so I, I agree. Yeah. God, let me just make it clear to everybody. All of Iona's scholarships are filled right now. As Guy mentioned, I guess it's possible somebody else could transfer. But as of today, all 13 scholarships are filled. And the deadline is May 1st, so the window is closing. So this very well may be the Iona team. The guys we described coming back with all these uh, top-flight recruits. It's going to be an exciting year next year for the Iona College Gales. Yeah, just as, just when you're ready to uh, anoint uh, some of the other MAC teams toward the top. I mean, obviously St. Peter's after their amazing run, you know, off starting from scratch. But you know, everybody was already high on Ryder the way they finished the season and everything. And uh, everybody's always seems to be high on Siena. They always seem to be better than anybody expects. And people were starting to forget about him a little bit. But you know, yeah, they have this guy named Rick Pitino on their bench. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Jim. I heard him a couple um, times. I heard he's a really good coach. Yeah. <laughs> So you knew he wasn't going to just sit back and just let the roster be. Uh, and all of a sudden, this team is already looking like the, among, definitely among the favorites of the league. Iona's loaded. They did lose a lot. Let's, let's remind everybody. Tyson Jolly, Elijah Joyner, and Dylan Van Eyck, three big-time players, did leave. We're going yep. to miss them a lot. But we now have a lot of guys ready to step up and take their place. Yeah. I mean, we went in with a very veteran, mature team that <laughs> did not go well down the stretch. Um, and we can talk about that to the Kalskamo about why that didn't work out down the stretch. But... Uh, so now Patino's going the other way. He, he went with a lot of younger guys with one Juco mixed in uh, and wants to build this team into something special over time. Uh, so we may see a little little bump in the road here and there. Uh, I don't think they're going to race out to a great start in the season like we saw this past year. But I also think this team might be more March ready than, than the team we just had, which I think peaked way too early. All right, guys. Fabulous. Perfect timing. You finished your uh... – discussion of Iona and the music came on Guy Flatico you're the best love working with you and covering Iona College basketball keep up the good work and we'll talk to you soon thank you Jim you keep up the good work as well thank you Guy Guy Flatico IonaHoops.com okay folks we are back on College Hoops Chat I'm Jim Misano your host happy to be here today and uh, we just had a great chat with Guy Flatico from IonaHoops.com and he had a lot of uh, happiness in his voice with the six recruits Iona's got coming into next year. Now we're going to turn to another local big-time college basketball program, the St. John's Red Storm, and someone who's called our show a few times now, Mike Zabo. Mike, are you there? Hey, Jim. How's it going? Thanks. So are you a senior now? Yeah, senior. You're graduating. So who's going to – that? you're our guy inside the campus. What are we going to do without you? 
Well, I am opting into my fifth year, so I will be hanging around the campus a little bit here and there as a graduate year. All right, great. So uh, Mike uh, works at the campus radio station and covers St. John's basketball, I think other sports too, and he's uh, very knowledgeable about St. John's. So the first question is, before we get into the whole roster, is how excited is St. John's Nation on picking up really one of the top 10, 15 transfers in America available in Andre Corbello? I mean, you have to be excited. I, I get there's always going, there's a talk always about the fit. How is it going to fit in there or whatnot? But I mean, pure and simple, St. John's is in a position where that kind of talent becomes available. I mean, you can't pass up on it. The connections were there. You know, him, he had a great high school career out in Long Island Lutheran. Uh, he was high school teammates with uh, Dresa Triori and Rafael Penzone. Uh, so the connection was there. He's obviously from the city. Um, the, the connections are built in. It just fit in terms of trying to go out and get a great talent. They knew they needed a home run hit in the portal to start off, and they really got one. I agree. But listen, let me just tell folks. So Andre Corbello was a major, like, four- or five-star recruit to Illinois uh, in 2021 season. Well, 2020-2021. He was really terrific as a freshman. You know, he averaged nine points a game. If you watch them play, he was a difference maker. He averaged four assists a game and four rebounds a game. This was a guy that was all over the court. He was very clever and savvy. He could get to the rim. He could pass the ball. He was terrific on the open floor in, in transition. He had a terrific freshman year. His sophomore year, not as good because of injuries. As a matter of fact, uh, he only played 19 games, uh, only started four games, where people kind of thought he was going to be the lead guard this year uh, at Illinois. So he had a kind of a tough sophomore year. But here he is coming to St. John's for junior year. Now, one thing I see on the internet of people that were concerned about bringing him in is that he's not a good shooter, and that is true. Although he was a pretty good shooter, field goal percentage-wise, his freshman year, 50%. But this year was 33% field goal percentage. But really troubling is that last year, his freshman year, 16.1% from three-point. And then this year, as a sophomore, did have injuries, only 17.6% from three-pointers. So you're talking about a guy to shoot 17% from three, who's probably going to be off-the-ball guard playing with Posh Alexander, that's a concern. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a team with St. John's that, I mean, it's been, no matter what names you throw in the last couple years, it's been really difficult to find consistent three-point shooting. And right now, as presently as the team is constructed, there are a lot of guys who just don't shoot well from outside. And if you're an opposing coach, you're looking at that, and it's a it's. I wouldn't say it's easy to game plan, and you you may not win the game ultimately, but it's easier to find a way to try and stop them, knowing that they don't have a lot of consistent outside shooting. And there's still time in the portal for them to address that. There's still two open scholarships, but that's certainly what's going to make this Andre Cabello move even better, is if they surround him and the rest of the roster, at least with another forward or two, that can really score at all three levels. I agree. Listen, here's my view. Of course I want Andre Corbello on St. John's because he's an electrifying player. The guy is, uh, if you ever watched him play, and I've watched him play a lot, particularly two years ago in Illinois, uh, you, you know he's on that court. He makes things happen. He's exciting. He, you know, if you get him out on the break, you're going to score. You know, he, can, he distributes the ball really well. He plays really fast. 
And I think that in Mike Anderson's offense and defense, if he fully embraces the defensive side of the ball, he'll be your even better player if he plays within Mike Anderson's system. So I think there's a ton of potential uh, for Corbello to really matter for St. John's this year and really make a difference. But I'm a little concerned about the length of the team. Uh, I don't see a lot of height on this team, losing Champagny and Wheeler. And now, and of course, we're all worried about the shooting. So you're right. They have two open scholarships. Uh, let's hope uh, St. John's can deal with those other issues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a key, it's a present issue. I think Kerbeau also concerned with him is uh, you have to clean up the turnovers. I think that's another thing. And just really how that's all going to fit together once they bring in some other transfers is, you know, because Carbella was very much an on-ball guy in Illinois because that's what they really needed. He was playing alongside Trent Frazier, who's more of a guy who likes to play off-ball, good shooter, and whatnot. Now you're coming onto a team that already kind of has a floor general in Posh who really likes the ball. So really interesting how over these next couple of months and through preseason prep, how they're going to really figure that all out. Who gets to have more of the ball? Is it going to be split? You know, who starts? How, how is all, how's all those pieces going to fit in? It's going to be an interesting question that Mike Anderson and the coaching staff has to solve. I agree. Well, look, we have Posh Alexander coming back, who's another dynamic bulldog type point guard, uh, a great defender, uh, a good passer, great in the open floor. Could you imagine uh, on a fast break with Posh Alexander and Corbello together? I mean, it could be so dynamic. I, I'm excited about that uh, possibility. The, you know, Posh has uh, had, a, had a pretty good sophomore year as well. I had a great freshman year. Um, and Dylan Wusu, uh, he might be someone that might be able to help them with, with shooting. He's coming back as well. What do you think? Well, I think the interesting thing about Wusu is it kind of went under the radar in the first half of the year, going through the non-conference schedule early on in conference season. He was averaging 13 points a game and had uh, 42, was shooting 42% from beyond the three-point line. And as the season went along, he kind of faded. So the question is really, can they get more of that first half of the year from him, especially shooting-wise, that should be a huge boost. And, of course, we didn't really see Rafael Penzone a lot last year because of his COVID issues. So uh, he's typically been billed throughout his high school career as a pretty good shooter as well. Didn't get to see that last year. Now, this year, you hope he's, he's over all of that, all of those health issues, and he'll have a completely healthy year. Gives you another ball handler and hopefully another capable shooter. Right. So there are internal options as well as the two open scholarships. I agree. So the other thing is one good piece of news for St. John's this year is they didn't have seven guys leave uh, in the transfer portal, right? Uh, only one, and he was a walk-on. So nobody on scholarship left St. John's through the transfer portal. That's correct, right, Mike? Yeah, it was much uh, less of a busy transfer portal this season than last year, to say the least. Look, it was very hard. They had to incorporate six new players uh, and some freshmen, and clearly... You and I have discussed this in the past. Uh, it was not a pretty look uh, in the non-conference schedule, which had a lot of cupcakes, and they were barely beating the cupcakes early on because they had all these new players. At least this year, they should come out a little stronger to start the season. You'd think they, they come out really steady. They have a lot of returners, as you mentioned. Uh, the issue last year, really, is that even though there are all those new guys, I mean, you point to can point to other teams around the Big East who also had a lot of turnover but were able to still come together. Marquette is the biggest one. 
had uh, nine new guys, and they came together as great as they did and were a nine seed in the tournament. So I think St. John's could have cleaned that up a little bit better. We could go on a whole other discussion about how Mike Anderson could have adjusted better in a lot of those games and done better with this roster despite all the new guys. But I think it helps any coach around the country just knowing that you have a little more stability, obviously, in these off-season times not having to worry about replacing an entire roster sure helps a lot. can focus on a lot more high school recruiting as well. Um, so I think it's, it helps either way. I agree. And look, Mike Anderson's been around a long time. He's a guy who's never had a losing season as a coach. He knows how to do player development. And now he's got these guys for a second year in player development, uh, the entire team. That matters too, because uh, he kind of has a unique system. It's kind of almost defensively led his system where a lot of the offense comes off the defense. And when, you know, we saw last year when they played at Seton Hall in the regular season, the defense clicked that night and they blew Seton Hall off the court. When they execute Mike Anderson's defense, uh, St. John's is an awfully impressive team. Yeah, and that was the issue last year is that you didn't see enough of the press and there were reasons why that maybe they didn't have the best athletes in order to execute it and whatnot. Well, Let's see, a year after, some of these guys who are returning as well, they've had a year in this system. How do they adjust? They can still be a very defensive team without all-out pressing or pressing in certain moments. They can still be a pretty good defensive team, but it's not the same 40 minutes of hell as Mike Anderson wants. You know, who's, who knows if they can be able to have some more of those games that they had in, in the Walsh Gymnasium against Seton Hall? Because, I mean, that was as bout of a a perfect of a game as Mike Anderson could have scripted up. I agree. So, all right, tell me, because I only know a little about him, but I've read about him. I know A.J. Store is a pretty big-time recruit for St. John's. I know he's very excited to join the team. I've seen him say it on Twitter. What do you know about A.J. Store? Yeah, I believe he was a top-100 recruit, uh, really a solid high school player. I think he scores well at all three levels. A very interesting guard. Um, St. John's got a bunch of guards coming in this year as well. I believe uh, three guards overall. It's him and uh, Colby King, yes. I believe, are coming in as well. Yeah, he's a point um, guard. So, yeah, inter- interesting recruits there. I think Store is a really dynamic player, um, and I think we've seen highlight. We've seen on the tape he can be able to shoot really well. Um, interesting to see how that carries over. I agree. All right, so Mike. Um... Kerbalo, very exciting addition, but the uh, the final roster is not set yet. There's a another two weeks of transfer portal time. Uh, we'll see if St. John's can get another two big-time additions. You know, if they can, maybe get another big guy, and maybe they can get another shooter. It really could make them take uh, what the talent level they have and the way they play up a notch with another shooter, maybe another another big guy. We'll see what happens, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Mike. We'll talk to you again. Yep, have a good one. Thanks so much. All right, that's Mike Zabo. He's uh, uh, an announcer and a broadcaster at the St. John's Campus Station. Really knows that St. John's basketball team. All right, folks, we're going to go to a commercial break, and we'll be right back for the final segment of the show. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we're back on College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maceno. Uh, we're here uh, on Monday nights from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock for two more weeks after tonight, and then we'll take our summer break. Uh, but we're going to keep talking about the off season and all the movement uh, between the teams with the transfer portal. And on the line 
We have our number one caller who calls every show and is a very knowledgeable college basketball fan and my grammar school and high school friend, Kenny from Rye. Kenny, how are you? James, how are we doing? How's everything going tonight? Good, good, good. Are good you... week for the Friars. Good week. Oh, my God. How excited are you? So I didn't. I forgot to say that. I was. Uh, so my son goes to the University of South Carolina, and they had a terrific freshman this year named Devin Carter. And I, so I saw him play probably 10, 15 games for South Carolina, and he transferred to Kenny from Rye's Providence Friars, and that's quite a pickup, a, you know, an all-freshman SEC player that's now going to be with your squad. Exactly, and this is our second one. Obviously, as we had uh, Naya this year come from the come from USC for his uh, fifth year, but we have uh, this gentleman here for it's going to be three years as he's coming over and getting three years, three full years of eligibility, which is nice for us. So really, he's a transfer, but he's kind of a you know a, a full timer that he'll give us at least three years. So that's a nice part about it. I agree. You know, I'm going to start getting a little offended, Kenny, from Ryan with your Friars taking all the players off my son's roster. Yeah, I mean, the USC obviously took it on the chin this year, and it seems to be that's the case anytime you lose your coach, whether it's USC or any other program. LSU. LSU yeah, they lost the entire team, so that's going to be the new norm, unfortunately, for these uh, for these kids. And maybe that's that's to some extent fair, because they say many of the kids choose, choose the school because of the coach. So, you know, if that's the case, then maybe it's a, it's fair that they have the opportunity to move, move on somewhere else. So, Kenny from Rye just, I don't know if you caught that, folks, just said that the entire scholarship players on LSU went into the transfer portal because the coach got fired. Unbelievable. I mean, that's I, I don't know if we, we've heard of an entire team go into the transfer portal, but it happened at LSU uh, this year. South Carolina, when their coach got fired uh, around the same time, lost six of the, of the 13 scholarship players. But 13 out of 13 into the portal, that's pretty rough for LSU. Yeah, exactly, and you've got to recreate it. And obviously, a coach coming in at that point in time, it's very difficult to recruit. You know, high quality freshmen. Most of, most of them have already made their decision. And I don't mean there's not sleepers out there, but you know, you, you are behind the eight ball. So this does give him a chance to replenish. But the question is, as you say, you're going to replenish a team that's going to be a brand new team that's never worked together, never played together, and you know, you're starting basically from scratch. So that, that's a difficult, uh, difficult uh, ask for a new coach. So you also, uh, your squad, uh, Providence, got someone from LaSalle named Clifton Moore. Don't know anything about him. Did you research Clifton Moore also transferred to Providence? Yeah, the two that we have also, it looks like, uh, and I will say that uh, Ed and the team has done a pretty good job. And, and, and I think this is actually a good formula if you think about it. What they're doing is, is it looks like they go back and people they have recruited that didn't end up going to Providence, but they tried to recruit them as freshmen and then they went on and went on. And to have a, you know, obviously a successful high, a college career, they keep in touch, you know, from a perspective of they had a good experience and they, you know, Providence came down to the final three in this case for the two gentlemen. And then they, you know, get a second look. So, um, I, Carter was one that I know had looked at, uh, or talked to the field PC. The other two, Clint, uh, Clifton Moore, as you mentioned, is the center from LaSalle's good pickup for a fifth year. And the other gentleman is Noah Lockie, who's uh, from Florida and then had played a year at uh, Louisville, but he's doing his fifth year at Providence because he, was heavily recruited by Providence back in the day when he was a freshman. So all of these players, it seems like, have a connection with the, with Providence who are coming even through the transfer portal. You really, on paper, look really good there, Kenny from Raw. You got Devin Carter, Noah Locke, and Clifton Moore. They're coming from LaSalle, Louisville, and South Carolina. I mean, you can't do much better in the transfer portal than Providence just did. Yeah, he hasn't dipped, you know, into the lower, I guess you'd say, the, you know, the, 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 the non-power divisions, if you want to call it that. He hasn't been there yet. That's not to say that 
that's not possible because someone could pop up because we still do have two spots left, but he hasn't done that yet. And we have two very solid recruits coming in, one who's a four-star player, uh, Jaden Pierre from uh, Long Island Lutheran, who's going to be a great point guard, I think. Hopefully hopefully he'll stay four years at Providence. Right, right. That's the problem. You know, you load up with a lot of guys who transfer in as uh, fourth and fifth-year players, and uh, maybe the freshmen don't get in the game, and then they end up transferring because they're not happy with their playing time. Yeah, and, and that's always the risk, right? I mean, as you say, so the, I guess the formula seems to be kind of 50-50, and uh, I think it's not a bad idea. You know, Providence is never a school that, like Kentucky that loads up on five- and four-star recruits and it just kind of moves through them. So they have to be a little bit more selective. But at the same time here, you take a transfer, this is his, let's call it his last chance, um, and so that he's going to, you know, he's going to buy in. Hopefully, at that point in time, and they're usually a little bit more, more mature as well. But some programs, as you mentioned, are surprising, like UConn. I, you know, I didn't understand they had a good year, and then they ended up losing five players. I saw that, but some of those guys spent too much time on the bench, and people got in their ear and said, "You're better than that. You can play at another school." And uh, you're right, UConn lost a lot of talent that was sitting on the bench that might have played next year. But the interesting thing is, as we mentioned here, is that if you're one of those younger players and you look forward. UConn lost, you know, I think four play, four players who started that were seniors that normally just moved on to or graduated. So it wasn't unusual for these players to not be playing. And, and then you would think this would be their opportunity as, as the seniors have left. But So they turned around and lost four players who were, I think, three or four players who were seniors, and they lost five on the transfer portal. So they're a team that's also now, you know, down nine players. He's got to, you know, he, I, I think Hurley in his comments was almost shocked at what happened. So... You know, it, it can work against you very quickly as well. Listen, it's not just basketball. I'll just tell you quickly a football story. This Saturday night was the uh, spring football game at South Carolina where they kind of split the team in two parts and they have a game. And, you know, they, they get like 20,000, 30,000 fans for these spring football games. It's a big thing on the campus. They have a lot of parties around it. It's kind of a fun night for the school. But four players today, this is the Monday after the game on Saturday, transferred out of South Carolina because they realized on Saturday night that they weren't kind of in the mix to play that much this season. So they got out now, which I thought was incredible, right? Like you could stay and kind of try to move up on the depth chart because there's four months to the kickoff of the season. But no, four kids transferred out today out of the South Carolina football program. And then I looked around, that's happening all over the country. Guys didn't play in the spring game. They're too far down on a depth chart, so they just left today. Yeah, I mean, I think our friend there, Brian Harrington, mentioned that he had heard that Nick Saban, what he's going to do is a little bit like Providence is doing. He's going to recruit a certain amount of freshmen to keep that you know pipeline going and then also recruit other kids who would be possibilities of coming to Alabama and then watch them go other places and watch them play either a year or two and then re-recruit them. And right. so what he wants to see is he said there's too many question marks with a 17- and 18-year-old, but I know what – kid goes to northern Iowa or western Michigan and, you know, excels that he says he can come here and play right away. You know, obviously he's got a lot to offer for those players. Yeah. So, uh, as you say, there's, there's opportunities. It's going to be, you know, I guess you'd say kind of very fluid till September. Uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, and uh, I was surprised by it. All right, so let's mention a couple of the Big East schools. So one player that uh, UConn did bring in to replace all the guys that left it's a guy named Tristan Newton, played for East Carolina. I've seen him play because I watched East Carolina t- twice last year. He had 17.7 points a game, 4.8 rebounds, 5.8, 5.8 assists uh, a game, 
this is a kind of a really talented playmaker from East Carolina. He might fit in very nicely at UConn. Well, it looks like he's got a lot of opportunity because, again, Hurley was up at the press conference, and I think in the press conference he was joking to someone else leave in the meantime. So when you lose nine, you know, someone like that is going to have the opportunity. So I think uh, – He's got to get on, get back on the horse and get a few more of those as well. But, yeah, he did have a nice resume. And then Georgetown was another one that lost a few and gained a few. You know, they got Brandon Murray. Now, I've again, I probably watch the SEC a little more than you do, Ken, because of my son going to South Carolina. And um, if you saw last year, uh, LSU's team, uh, he's a really good player. Average 10 points a game, three uh, rebounds a game, and shot around 40% from three. So Brandon Murray was a presence on the court when you watched LSU, he went to Georgetown. I thought that was a tremendous pickup for Patrick Ewing. Yeah, it looks like uh, Patrick poached a few of the coaches from LSU with the uh, firing of the whole staff. And so obviously they were able to bring up a few of the players as well. If I remember correctly, I think Murray, if you've seen him play, I saw his stat line. They were saying he was probably one of the top three to five players in the transfer portal. So that was a big win for Georgetown, as you're right. Yeah, I saw him ranked as high as, uh, I'm looking right now at the ESPN ranking, number six. Uh, a Sports Illustrated ranking. He was also in like the top ten. No, it was a great pickup for Georgetown. So Georgetown got a great player. UConn got a great player, and your squad got three very good players. Yeah, three good, three good players. Two, two fifth years, and then one who's kind of even a better transfer because he's going to give you three years, which is great. You've seen him freshman year, and now he's going to come. He's going to hopefully give us three great years. Hey. Uh, with an opportunity. And you probably heard the prior segment. St. John's brought in a five-star player, Andre Curbalo from Illinois. Uh, it would be interesting to see him get in that open court game for St. John's. Certainly a very talented player. Yeah, and in Illinois, I think that's that, that's not unusual. You know, that was a team somewhat like, you know, somewhat like Purdue, just kind of loaded with players. So it was a good opportunity for them to pick up somebody who needs some playing time. So what, I did notice uh, the Big East did pretty well so far in the transfer portal. All right, Kenny from Ryan, I think done. so as well. All right, James. Nice talking to you, buddy. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kenny from Rye. We're done, folks. Great show. Thanks for tuning in. Two more shows the next two Mondays. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.